That was the opening music to Meet Me in St. Louis, and it was released in 1944 by MGM. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net, or just search for Classic Movie Reviews in iTunes or in Facebook. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from Seattle, where we've been having snow showers today. Ah, this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, where we've been having rain. We've been having Seattle weather for the last three days. It's been great for uh, taking care of a lot of the uh, uh, drought, so that's good. So this movie is, uh, is a favorite of mine. I'm glad we're doing it. I think it's one of Vincent Minnelli's best movies. He made a lot of movies. Uh, it, was a, it was released in time for the holidays in 1944 by uh, MGM and it made a boatload of money for them. In fact, they were so intrigued by the whole story. I was reading earlier that they planned a sequel called Meet Me in Manhattan. Oh. But it never, it never got out of the planning stages. Uh, so that didn't occur, and uh, it's based on the uh, the uh, real life of the author of the book, um, and it appeared in the New Yorker magazine. I think it was originally called Fifty One Thirty Five Kensington, <laughs> and Tootie was the uh, was supposed to be the author, oh, okay. the, played by Margaret O'Brien. Margaret O'Brien, yeah, boy, she. She stole a lot of those scenes, didn't she? She did. She was. Oh man, she was definitely uh, the star of the show whenever she was on camera. I remember the first time I saw this; it was in a theater. Oh, really? With my with my mom and dad in the late forties. I don't know if it was coming around for another, you know, tour of uh, showings, or if it was the first time it was shown in Lowestown. But I, on the big screen, it's magnificent because the color is just so extraordinarily beautiful it's one of mgm's best musicals i think yeah i was i was really noticing the color and you could just freeze frame just about any scene and it looks like some kind of a postcard that you would get uh you know like painted by norman rockwell or something it's just like it's like this really idyllic family setting it really uh, it really was um and a lot of the times they would start another act of the movie with a black and white, what looked like a postcard, and then it would go to color. I love that. Yeah, that was cool. They would, like, take a still from the movie, and then it would, like, slowly fade into the actual film. I was intrigued by the home they lived in for two things. One, it must have been huge in terms of the cost of heating it. And two, in some ways, it kind of looked like the home from the movie Psycho, yeah, in 1960, <laughs> had that same had that same architecture. I thought, oh boy. Well, it, it looked a lot like the home in that uh, movie that we watched with Debbie. Uh, was it Debbie Reynolds? Uh, no, not um, where they where she lived in the little cabin in Colorado, and then they struck gold, and then they go. Oh yes, the magnificent Molly Brown. Yeah, it looked like that it was Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, it looked like the home in magnificent Molly Brown. Yeah. Well, as much as they would reuse things. It may very well have been that. Well, and the whole neighborhood kind of looked like that to me. So that was an interesting little connection, I thought. I don't know if that was the same house, but it sure looked like it. And then they had that dance party, remember, where 
uh, Judy Garland's character, Esther Smith, and then Tootie, played by Margaret O'Brien, did that little musical number together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminded me of one of the dancing scenes from uh, Molly Brown as well. That that was so much fun. Uh, I, I guess, you know, kind of starting at the beginning, when they're singing, and uh, Grandpa, played by Harry Davenport, takes over the song. Meet me in St. Louis! and I just, I, I could watch that part of the movie over and over again, never get tired of it. He's <laughs> dancing out of the bathroom, down the steps, into his room, and he's trying on different hats and wears a fez. And he was, he was in a lot of movies, but I think this was the best movie he ever made. It was just, he was perfect in that role. Well, and then he has like one of the best scenes in the movie when they're at that uh, party at the end during Christmas time, and. Um, Esther thinks that she's not going to be able to see her love of her life, John Truitt. But, yes. But then Grandpa takes her to the dance and, lo and behold, dances her behind that Christmas tree. And then out they come together, John Truitt and Esther Smith dancing. That was great. He was, he was an, another, good, another good part is when they were talking about moving to New York. And uh, uh, they were saying, well, we can take care of ourselves. It's not that bad. And Grandpa says... Don't worry, I've got twelve guns in my room. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, wow! I laughed so what hard. What are you doing at that? with twelve guns in your room? And for goodness' sake, I'm not sakes. sure he. I would trust him with one gun, let alone twelve. Uh, I agree with you there totally. There yeah, were some but... really funny lines in this movie, like little one-liners like that. Like they were talking about moving. It was that same scene, and one of their girls says, "I simply don't believe it." It's true. And to start the first of the year, we'll leave right after Christmas. I thought we'd all like to have Christmas in St. Louis. I think I'll go back. It'll take me at least a week to dig up all my dolls from the cemetery. Come back here, you two. There'll be no packing as yet. There are a great many things to talk over, and I must say you two are being very cool about it. Why, well, Anna, I thought you'd be overjoyed. New York is a big city. Not that St. Louis isn't big, but it just doesn't seem very big out here where we live. And what will the children do? It's the same as they do here. Go to school, play, have their friends over. What friends? Yes, what friends? The friends they'll meet in school. But I don't go to school. You will someday. They'll take you in. And Agnes just ready to be promoted and Esther going to be a senior. I've worked all my life to be a senior. And Rose is to be graduated next year. Graduation, that's the least. All the people I care about are in St. Louis. And what about me and my life? You can take that with you. It's all settled. We're moving to New York. I must say you're being very calm about the way you pack us off, lock, stock, and barrel. I've got the future to think about. The future for all of us. 
I've got to worry about where the money's coming from, with Lon in Princeton and Rose going to college. Well, maybe Rose won't have to go to college. Uh, I mean, things are happening. Yeah. Tonight she met Colonel Dolly at Hunsinger's, and he was very smitten with her. I'm sure he was, whoever he is, but next year she'll still want to go to college. Money. I hate, loathe, despise, and abominate money. You also spend it. What about Katie and Grandpa and the chickens? Not that we have many left. That's a minor detail we can discuss later. So I'm a minor detail, am I? Now you all know very well I was talking about the chickens. <laughs> he had, yeah, that was the part that I bet he was so happy that he did. Yeah. Harry this Davenport. Is, this movie is like a real good feel, like a feel-good movie, right? Like I think it's a good holiday movie that way. And think about when it came out. It was like just before the Battle of the Bulge in Europe in World War II. And they, they really needed some feel-good um, movies at that time because there was that December battle that, oh, right. uh, was, that was nick, nick, a nip and tuck yeah. for about three weeks. Yeah. That's, uh, it's interesting, too, because it portrays a time 40 years before it was released because it's kind of happening like around 1903 and 1904. And the movie came out in 1944. And now we're watching it like sixty years later, right? So I know, or almost seventy. Almost, seventy yeah, years. I guess seventy years. Yeah. I read also on uh, IMBD that President Roosevelt uh, switched the Olympics that were going to be held in two th- uh, 1904 from uh, I think it was New York City to St. Louis, so it could coincide with the uh, World's Fair that they were having, and it turned out to be a disaster for the Olympics because they they kind of took second fiddle to the uh, World's Fair, and it was just a mess. The songs in this are unbelievably uh, well done. I love the trolley song. Yeah, that one's great. With my high starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high up on my head, I went to lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With this light brown derby and this bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten again. <laughs> clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. There's some songs that I are like childhood songs that people sing now, like as kids, all the time. Oh yes, you know, yes. And, and I don't know if this was when they were first introduced or or what, but uh, yeah, I could sing right along with pretty much all the songs in this movie. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was written for this movie, and it's been popular for 70 years. Oh, my gosh. The, ori- yeah. the original lyrics were not what they turned out to be, but uh, Judy Garland said, I'm not going to sing the original lyrics. They're very depressing. So the uh, the writer rewrote them for what uh, appeared in the uh, in the uh, movie. Also, when she did the trolley song, uh-huh. yeah, I read where she did that in one take. Oh, my that gosh. Was, that was one continuous take wow i love the 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 back uh what's that called where they project the back projection it it made it look like they were actually on a trolley going down the street but really they were just on a set yes yeah (laughs) down at down at the mgm lot 
Well, we can't we can't forget Mary Astor was in this as well. She's been in yes. tons of movies, and she was a silent film star, wasn't she? I believe she was. I I, I think she started in the nineteen uh, twenties, and for me, her most memorable role was when she played the uh, the bad woman in the Maltese Falcon. Right. Yeah. Yep. Committed murder. Yeah, she was so good in that movie, and she was great in this movie too. She did make a lot of movies. Oh, oh, and then, when they were at the beginning of the movie, when they're making that to, uh, ketchup or tomato sauce, <laughs> yeah. I think everybody in the in the house had got a taste of it. I'm like, they're they're using the same spoon. <laughs> it's not the most hygienic <laughs> cooking environment, <laughs> but that that sets a good tone for the film because you get that sense of like this family that just uh, gets along so well, but kind of bickers with each other, but in like a loving way and. They just all kind of know their place. And and I love how the dad is constantly being kept out of the loop on what's going on. Yes. <laughs> Poor soul. And Grandpa said, well, we've, we've honored him enough. He gets to work all the time so he can feed us all, take care of us. Yeah. <laughs> Poor dad. <laughs> yeah, because the point Grandpa was making is like, well, he doesn't get to be a part of this, too. <laughs> do you, you know, do you recall, was Grandpa... Uh, Mary Astor's dad or Leon Ames' father? I, I I don't remember. I don't think I was ever clear. I don't know if it was ever clear, but I, I another neat scene was between Judy Garland and Grandpa uh, Harry Davenport when he said that he would take her to that dance and he said that she looked so much like her her grandmother, like, you know, his wife. You know, the man that built this house cheated your father. The walls were as thin as paper. No, 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 no. You know, with your hair like this, you're the very image of your grandma. I remember the first dance I took her to, and her father told her she'd have to be home at 10 o'clock. And she was crying, just like you are now. I'm sorry, I just... Well, you must think I'm an awful baby. No, 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 you go right ahead. It isn't often a pretty girl has a real legitimate reason to cry. The funny thing, I took my tuxedo out of mothballs yesterday. Looks pretty good, too. You know, suits are like men. They, uh, they like to step out once in a while with a pretty dress. That suit of mine does the greatest one step you ever saw. What's this I hear about you're not going to the dance? Who says I'm not going? Of course I'm going. You're the handsomest man in town. I'll pick you up at eight. He just... I, I really liked his character in the movie. Yeah, that was that was the most fun role I think anybody could have. I was also... Surprised at how well Leon Ames sang. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'd always seen him in in roles in movies, and he, I don't believe he ever sang. He had a very nice voice. Yeah, he had that one song where it was uh, uh, his wife was playing the piano, I think, and then he came right. in and started singing. And yeah, he could. He had some pretty good range. Yeah, very good. So, I guess the starting point for this is that. Uh, Judy Garland wants to meet the neighbor, Tom Drake's character, John Truitt, 
but it's shy enough and that doesn't come about right away but she has a wonderful song about him the boy next door and then Tootie is constantly in trouble I remember her dad saying well I guess if we can get her into school yeah if they'll take her <laughs> if they'll take her so we have the love story there and there's not a, like a big plot to the movie I mean uh, Esther's trying to get to know John and yes, yes. Aunt, uh, her sister Rose is trying to get the, to know this guy in uh, New York City and they have that funny phone call where oh that brought back so many memories of when I went off to college in 1959 I could only call home one one time each week oh, because the long distance charges were really high Wow. So every Friday, I think it was around in the evening, I would call home and I was limited to how much time I could visit because of the cost. And this brought that back to mind. And then they're all sitting there listening to it like <laughs> and adding comments. I'm like, <laughs> please, this poor girl must be terrified. It must have been pretty rare to have a phone in your home, though, back in 1903. Oh, I think it would have been. But it looked as though he was a fairly successful uh, attorney, although he had a bad day the day the movie opens because he'd lost his case. Yeah, and nobody seemed to care about that. They just they rolled by that like it never happened. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was sort of <laughs> he was depressed. Played second fiddle to all the goings on at home. <laughs> so uh, the well, I guess the other drama was when Mr. Smith said that uh, he had accepted an offer for all of them to move to New York City. Right, that was the big drama of the that movie. Was, yeah. And in the original book or story, they actually do move to New York City. Oh, okay. They changed it for the uh, movie. Well, I, yeah, I like the way that they did that. Um, there was never any point in the movie where you felt like anybody was really in any danger, except for maybe in that Halloween scene where it was kind of after the, the the Halloween scene and then Tootie comes running in and her lip is cut and she's all bruised and says that... I know. Yeah, and then and then uh, Esther goes next door and beats the crap out of John. <laughs> <laughs> Bites him on his right hand. Nice. Come to find this out that a... John was actually trying to help uh, Tootie not get in trouble this... with the police. Not the best way for the two of them to get to know one another, <laughs> but it all turns out okay. It all turns out okay, yeah. yeah. But um, another high point for me was the Halloween festivities. Oh, man, I yeah, totally. That whole part was so interesting to me to watch because it was so different than Halloween is for us now. Somebody's got to take the box! I'll take them! I'll take them! I'll take them! <laughs> yeah, let Tootie take them! Home. You're too small. I am not. I won't go home. I'll take the Brockhaus. All right. Tootie takes the Brockhaus. But remember, if you don't hit Mr. Brockhaus in the face with flour and say I hate you, the Banshees will haunt you forever. Give her some flour. No, I got my own flour. 
Well, didn't it also seem strange? It was what, about 10 to 15 minutes long? How different it was from the rest of the movie? Yeah, it was It was almost like it didn't belong in this movie. Like it could be its own little separate short. Because there were, the no, there were really kids. no adults in it. It was all these kids, and they had this huge bonfire going in the middle of the street, which first was, was the first thing that was strange. And then I thought, well, all these kids, I thought they were going to be bullies and like try to beat Tootie up and her sister up, but they, were, they weren't. But they did dare Tootie to go to one of the neighbors who they were all scared of. And throw flour in his face, which was a weird uh, tradition. Yeah, that, no kidding. So I'm glad that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So she does it, and it's funny because the guy answers the door, and he's got this dog with him who's this intimidating-looking dog. <laughs> and Tootie is standing there all scared, and the guy goes, Well? And then Tootie throws flour in his face and he just stands there and takes it and then wipes it off and you look down and the dog's licking up all the flour and it was funny it was but burning all that stuff in the street no adult supervision and they're all running around where did they get all the stuff that they were burning i was like is this just all garbage sitting around in the neighborhood and then apparently tootie and her sister whose name i just forgot did a prank that involved the trolley that would have gotten him in, into a lot of trouble if John Truitt hadn't saved the day. But that whole scene, that whole 15 minutes was like, just so different. Yeah, I like that part oh, a lot, though. Although, near the end, when Trudy, uh, Tootie has another meltdown and she goes out and takes care of a lot of the snow people, the snowmen, she, that was also a little bit different. Yeah, she like... Uh, they hit, she, they had built built these really cool looking snow people because they'd had a snowstorm in St. Louis, which I don't know. Does St. Louis get snow very often? I don't I don't know. They that, do. They do. They do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so they built these really cool looking snow people, and then she, Tootie, had gotten real angry and upset about having to move because she wasn't going to be able to take the snow people with them. And so she runs outside and and just pretty much decapitates all of them with this stick, <laughs> and says that well if we can't have them nobody can have them. And then, she was something. And then Esther comes out and brings her back in, and I think that's when they sing, or it was right before that that they sang the right before that yeah. right before that that they sang that have have yourself a merry little Christmas. I didn't realize that yeah. this it was written for this movie. Wow, that's a classic. your heart be light next year all our troubles will be out of sight have yourself a merry little Christmas make the yuletide gay Next year all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days. 
day soon we all will be together Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. I have two other people that are in the movie that are favorites of mine. The maid, Katie, oh, yeah. Marjorie Maine, <laughs> she was went great. on to a successful nine movie career as Ma Kettle in Ma and Pa Kettle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she looked familiar. That's where she's from. Uh, oh, okay. and then and then Hugh Marlowe yeah. shows up as Colonel Darley <laughs> in a very brief scene long before he became so well-known in saving us from uh, outer space monsters. <laughs> so those were a couple. Uh, and June Lockhart. Remember June Lockhart from Lost in Space, the old television yes, show? yeah. She was uh, Lucille Ballard, and she was the young girl that uh, Esther's brother wanted to get to know. Right, okay, cool. There's so a, there lot of people a lot of this. A lot of people that went on to bigger careers, that's for sure. And also coming out of this movie, Liza Minnelli, I mean, yeah, Liza Minnelli, Vincent Minnelli and uh, Judy Garland got married. Oh, after, after, after this the movie. making this. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure the time frame. It was after the movie, yeah. I'm not sure how long after the movie. Wow, Judy and Garland then, was so beautiful in this movie. I think every uh, oh, time she was I on know. screen, I was just like captivated, like staring at her, just thinking she's so, like classic looking but also she's got a different look about her than a lot of other people she does yeah. those big eyes and her voice yeah she's got a great it's, great voice it's it's as clear and beautiful as uh, say uh frank sinatra oh yeah the, the, anytime i you hear those you, you, them you just singing, know you who know they who are is. yeah she's a wonderful career and uh one of the people that was watching this said she doesn't look 16 <laughs> I, I doubt that she was succeeding, but that's the character that she was playing. Yeah. Did so, Vincent, anyway, was yeah. Vincent Minnelli known mostly for these types of movies, like musicals, like this? Was that what he was mainly known for? Do you think, or because he did a he did a variety of different types of films? He did a lot of different movies, like Father of the Bride, which is a hilarious comedy, was his, and then the one Charlie, Goodbye Charlie, that was another. I think he was. Pretty much in just about all the different genres. Maybe not a Western. I don't know that he did any Westerns. Hmm. I think a lot of his movies were uh, made in sort of the studio setting. Yeah. In the big st I don't know that he did an awful lot of outside movies, although those weren't that often made. Well, I was reading uh, on uh, IMDb that, that a lot of these movies that were filmed at this time, like Oklahoma... Remember how it felt really claustrophobic in some of the scenes? Like there was that uh, barn dance scene kind of near yes, the end. And yes. You could totally tell that they were on a, a stage there. But I thought in this movie they did a better job of making you feel like it was not on a soundstage. Oh, I, I agree. It was made uh, 
about 10 years before Oklahoma. But I think Oklahoma suffers from the fact that so much of it was shot out in the real locations or in outdoor locations. And then it was jarring to see it shift right. to right. the studio. Whereas I think most of this, if not all of it, was probably filmed within the studio confines of MGM where yeah. they could control it so you didn't get that change that would occur right, like right. with Oklahoma. I think you're right. It's It was the difference in Oklahoma between those beautiful sweeping vistas and then you're, and then all of a sudden you're on this soundstage and it's like... I know. Uh, it's so noticeable. quite work. Or the same thing happened with On the Town. Right. True. They film it in New York, which is which is beautiful. And then you can tell they've shifted to the to the uh, studio another thing i another thing i liked about the movie was uh at the beginning when they had the horse-drawn carriages coming down the street and then there'd be like these really early cars driving yes uh, driving around them and i thought that was interesting to see how those two were, were kind of competing for road space at that time what a time that was like when tootie was was uh on mr neely's uh, ice uh, wagon. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and Chill Wills, another actor that went, was Miss, Mr. Neely, went on to having a great career in in the movies, made a lot of westerns. But I can remember as a kid in Lowestown, the milk delivery, honestly, in nineteen in the late nineteen forties, was still drawn by a horse. Wow, the guy had a horse and a and a kind of a wagon he, he made milk deliveries that's crazy even into the 40s huh wow. this is like 1948 1949 he must have wanted to get his money worth out of that horse <laughs> I I <tell> guess. You. <laughs> so it disappeared uh, over time uh, no 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 kidding i i really enjoyed it i i gave it a, a nine out of a ten i would go with the nine uh easily a nine whenever judy garland sings it's an 11 or 12 yeah Totally. Although we don't have that rating scale, it was a big success. She was wonderful. Had a sad uh, life later in her life, but uh, she died. Not in she this died kind of early, didn't? I mean, young. I, and she, she was in her forties, I think. I think she was, and I think she had some chemical dependency issues. One of her great roles uh, is in a movie that someday we may do called Judgment at Nuremberg. Oh yeah, a Stanley Kramer movie and she plays uh, one of the victims of the uh, Holocaust wonderful talent so a, a nine for both of us yeah can't can't argue with that so what's up next well it's it's Liza Man uh, not Liza it's Vincent Manelli month right so next I think we're gonna try to do is it father of the bride father of the bride yeah. have you ever seen that well I, I've seen the remake but I haven't seen the original uh, the original is so funny we when we went on one of our trips uh, last January for business to the board meeting, we took a copy of, we bought a copy of that and gave it to the CEO because his daughter was married in August. Oh. <laughs> and he loved that movie. Spencer Tracy and uh, Elizabeth Taylor and others. It'd be interesting so to compare it to the Steve Martin version. Yes, I'll be interested in knowing how you feel about it once you see it. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Matt Johnson in Seattle. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, wishing all of you happy holidays and happy movie watching.
anything like it in the whole world. We don't have to come here on a train or stay in a hotel. It's right in our own hometown. Grandpa, they'll never tear it down, will they? Well, they'd better not. I can't believe it. Right here where we live. Right here in St. Louis. 